0: Howdy friends, and welcome back to His Redemption Roads Season 2. I am your host, Natalie. Come along as I share fresh revelation, extraordinary testimonies, dreams, and visions intended to break chains, reveal the unfailing love of the Father, and ultimately spur us on toward the road to redemption. So lace up your hiking boots and let's take a stroll toward freedom down his redemption road. Hi friends, I am so glad to be back with you after the long break after season one. And now we're into season two, Woohoo! So for this very first episode in season two, I decided that it is time for me to share my story with you. Back in October of 2001, a sweet friend of mine named Cassie did an interview with me for her podcast, God Stories with Cassie. So if you get a chance, go check out her podcast where you will hear stories and testimonies from fellow believers around the world. But for today, she shared that original interview with me so that you, my listeners, can get to know me better and hear my story. So here we go hey friends welcome to god stories
1: i'm so excited i drove out to magnolia texas today to meet a new friend natalie welcome natalie thank you betsy eldridge connected us uh most of you probably heard her episode on fostering and she connected us. You're good friends with her. Will you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners?
0: Absolutely. My name is Natalie Sherwood, and I live out in Magnolia with my husband and three children. We raise chickens, the fancy ones for fun, and a rabbit, and we homeschool, and we are madly in love with the Lord and everything that he has for us.
1: Yes, her youngest daughter is Selah, just like ours, which is really fun. (laughs) Um, but we're just going to dive right into your story. I know bits and pieces of it, but if you want to bring us back to, you know, growing up or wherever the Lord leads you, I would love it.
0: Absolutely. So, um, I was born into your typical American family where, uh, we thought we were Christians, but not really. We didn't know the Lord. My dad didn't necessarily know if he believed in a God. Um, so he was agnostic. My mom believed in God. But didn't follow him. Okay. And all in the same year, actually it was within the same like week or two, my mom and dad got saved separately. Wow. So they had not talked to each other about it. That's incredible. And I noticed a shift in the atmosphere of the home. So they weren't uh, cussing and drinking and doing all these horrible things that would make you think, oh, something's changed. No, they were the same people. It was the atmosphere in the home had changed. And I was, How old were you? I was six years old, and I went to my mom, and I said, Mommy, what, what happened? What's different? And she said, Is it a good different or a bad different? I said, It's a good different, and I want it. And so she told me about Jesus and what had happened and who he was and why he came to uh, save us from our sins, to die and raise again for us. And I accepted that that day. Wow. I was so excited, and I never turned back after that. And my life became an immediate... Um, complete, exciting roller coaster with the Lord. So we had a couple that came and began to disciple us immediately. And uh, one of the ladies, she picked up my Bible and she handed it to me. And she said, Natalie, if it is in here, it's for you. And that changed my life. Because I started reading it at six years old and I turned seven pretty quickly after I read through the entire Bible. And I was hearing the stories in the Old Testament of Moses and David and Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then I get to the New Testament and I begin to read things about healing the sick and raising the dead and the miracles and Preaching and people being healed just by shadows falling on them and things like that and I was like God that's for me I want that I I read about dreams and visions and God immediately started giving me prophetic dreams at age seven and um, I began praying for people and watching them get instantly healed and that just became my life I was so madly in love with God and I took him everywhere. I went wow so.
1: I haven't met anyone where I've heard them start reading the Bible, the whole Bible, at that age. That's really incredible. And for the Lord to start giving dreams. I know there's no junior Holy Spirit. Right, <laughs> right. So He'll give it at any age. But I haven't heard many people say that. That's really cool.
0: Yeah. So um, what really encouraged me was that it was for me. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I say to everyone. It is for, if it's in the Bible, it's for you. And like you said, there's no junior Holy Spirit. <laughs> we all have the same Holy Spirit the full measure of him and so we need to walk in that so as I began to walk in that my life I saw miracles all the time and it wasn't just little things I mean big things that you cannot attribute to man and they happened regularly and I believe that God was uh, preparing me for not only my ministry as a grown person but also for the hard times that would come in my life my first miracle that really, really stands out in my mind is actually in my book. Sorry, I touched the thing. But um and it's uh I was a little girl, I was going to school, and I decided I wanted blue bonnets. And it was not blue bonnet season in Texas, and that's our state flower, so that was my favorite. And um I told my mom, I was like, I want blue bonnets. She's like, Natalie, you it's, you're not getting blue. I mean, it's not blue bonnet season. I was like, I'm going to pray for them. And I ran down our driveway to the mailbox and I pointed to the ground. I said, God, I want three blue bonnets right here so that I know that they're from you. Okay. Thanks. Amen. And then I ran back and got in the car and my mom sort of had this look on her face, like, "Mm, don't be too disappointed when there's no blue bonnets. So we go, I go to school. She goes through her day. She picks me up. We come home, we drive, we pull into the driveway and, uh, I remember that I had prayed that prayer that morning suddenly. And so I run down there and I start screaming because there are three full-size blue bonnets right next to our mailbox in the ground, grown, huge, beautiful. I'm screaming and I'm running back and forth between my mom and I because I don't know if I'm supposed to stand and stare at the blue bonnets or if I'm supposed to tell my mom what just happened. And she goes, I hear you. I hear you, Natalie, but look. And she points and we had a field next to our house and the entire field was full of full grown blue bonnet. Wow. And I knew at that moment that God loved me and it was the little things, the flowers, the personal things that matter just as much as the big things. Yeah. Wow.
1: He always goes above and beyond. I love that. Not only did he give you three, he gave you three, but he gave you a whole field. Yes. Just to show you how radically he loves you. How extravagant. Yes. He is. Extravagant. Yes.
0: And he really is. So the years went by. I kept seeing amazing miracles like that. Um, I brought them into all my friendships. I brought them into my relationships, my boyfriend with boyfriends and things like that as I got older. But um, I graduated high school early, and I went to college with the mind of medical sciences. I wanted to do something in the medical sciences. And I... Um, I was 19 years old. I was in my junior year of college because I was doubling up on work. I did every semester, every summer session, and I did as as many hours as I could. So I was flying through college. And I had to get the hepatitis B vaccination to go into the medical sciences. And I didn't question that. I just thought, oh, okay. And I went and I got it. And after the third one, I was injured. I had a vaccine injury. And I didn't know that immediately. It takes time to show up in the body. But one day when I was home from college, thank God I was home, but I woke up completely paralyzed and I couldn't move. And it was my um, habit to wake up very early before the sun came up. I would spend time with the Lord, make a cup of tea, enjoy watching the sunrise, things like that. Well, this day I didn't. I was stuck in bed staring at my alarm clock, and I couldn't move. All I could do is see these numbers glaring at me, and every minute felt so slow. And um, I kept telling myself, oh, okay, you're just half asleep, or you know, this time you'll get up. And I kept cheering myself. I had been a cheerleader in high school, so I'm cheering myself on. I'm encouraging myself to get up, get out of bed, nothing. I couldn't move. And not only that, but my vocal cords were paralyzed, so I couldn't call for help. Well, my parents, I hear my dad in the kitchen I think, oh, he'll he'll come check on me because I'm usually out there. Well, no, he just got, I could hear him get ready for work and then leave. And then I thought, oh, well, my mom will be up and she'll come check on me. So she, I hear her, I hear her um, doing all sorts of things around the house. Well, she was coming to my door but not coming in. But she thought, oh, she's so tired from college and all the work she's been doing. I'm just going to let her sleep. Well, I wasn't asleep. I was laying there unable to move. And um, she finally comes into my room hours later. I've been laying there for hours to check on me. And I yell at the top of my lungs. Um, and it sounded like a whisper. I yelled, I can't move. And she screamed and ran in and pulled me up and was like, what? What's wrong? What do you mean you can't move? And I was, I was, it was devastating. Like We didn't know what was going on.
1: Was she having to hold you up?
0: Yes, yeah. She yanked me up and pulled me against her body, kind of like a sick child, like you would hold your sick little child and love on them. That's what she did to me. Well, it was a Saturday, so the doctor is not in, and you have to do the doctor on call. And the doctor on call was not my normal doctor, but we go in, and he tells us, like, they carry me in because I can't walk. So he tells us that um, you're fine. You just have Bell's palsy. And I'm begging as loud as I can. So because my vocal cords were paralyzed, I sounded kind of like um, a toddler at the quietest whisper you can imagine with a squeak, like a mousy squeak. So it was really difficult to even get a sound out and understand me. But I was saying the word neurologist over and over again, begging him for a neurologist. And he said, no, listen, you have Bell's palsy. I'm going to put you on a steroid pack. You'll be fine in 10 days and don't call, um, don't call me until 10 days because you'll be better then. And also, by the way, you're under my care now, so you don't need to go to your regular doctor. So that was kind of like, okay. So my parents take me home in a wheelchair with a steroid pack and it did nothing. And I began to rapidly lose weight. Because I couldn't eat. My stomach had shut down. My intestines were shutting down. My organs were shutting down. And I had started the journey at about 103 pounds. And in just a few weeks, I was down to 90 something pounds. So after we didn't get better, my mom had enough and she called our doctor, my real doctor. And I had been to the emergency room several times in between, but because I'd been under this one doctor, they kept sending me home. And this was all during that first 10 days? Oh, no. I mean, it took months. Like, it took forever. It just took... Everything felt like it just took so long. And, you know, I wrote my timing down, and I have a hard time remembering it because every minute felt (laughs) like Like an eternity. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So um, I always have to go and look at my notes to remember the exact timing. But it was... Within two weeks, I go back to my original doctor, my real doctor. My mom called her. She was like, well, come in immediately. And I was emaciated. I couldn't hold my head up. My eyes were crossed. My skin lost all its color. I was losing hair by the chunks. I had acne. Um,
1: so clearly not Bell's palsy,
0: clearly not Bell's palsy or myself. Right. They couldn't even, they were trying to hold me while putting me on a scale to weigh me so they could try to get an accurate weight. And I was down to about 80 something pounds. Mm -hmm. I was, I had lost that much weight in that short of a time. And, um,
1: are they running tests on you at this point?
0: So that's just when I arrived. So they rushed me to the back and, they tell, they separate my parents and I, uh, to tell them like bad news. Like it's probably something that's going to take her life very quickly. And they named off a bunch of diseases. Well, the, the PA stayed with me and I said, Hey, tell me what's going on. I couldn't look at her in the eye. Cause I was slumped. My, I sat like this with my head down and, um, I tried to tell her, like, to tell me what it was. She understood that those few words, and she told me. She said, "I have to tell you the truth. It doesn't look good." And she named off a bunch of diseases that would, you know, kill me very quickly. Well, the great news is they admitted me to a hospital, and a neurologist came in and did a spinal tap and confirmed very quickly and that I had Guillain-Barré from a vaccine injury, and. I'd never really heard I'd heard the name before in school because I was doing the medical sciences, but I didn't know much about it. So they explained it to me, but they explained that I would probably um, be in a wheelchair the rest of my life, or if I could walk, I would be in pain, that it would leave me with a lot of residual things. They said some people do recover fully, but um, it happens pretty quickly. But wherever you are in seven years is where you will be. And so um, we went through a nightmare. We went through horror. I got down. I was admitted to the hospital. They were putting fluids in me. They tried to put food in me through feeding tubes in different um, various ways. My body would rejected all of it because my stomach was paralyzed and my intestines were paralyzed. So it would just come back up. Wow. And um, so all I was getting was vitamin fluids. I was getting... um, some other ivig treatments and plasma freezes treatments and uh, they, they they were doing the plasma freezes treatments and near, they were sending me almost into hypothermia because it was frozen and they didn't realize that it was supposed to be defrosted oh, before no. they put it in me so they were they were exchanging my blood plasma with frozen plasma oh. and i was my body temperature was dropping and um, i got so weak that i like, just sit laying there was took all my energy, and it was hard. Um,
1: Did your parents have other children? Besides no. Okay.
0: So I have an older half-brother that's 13 years older. So he had already been married and had children and had a life of his own. So it was just me and them. And my mother stayed up there with me around the clock pretty much. Uh, the time she went home, the Lord always provided someone else to come sit. And it was kind of important that someone come sit because I didn't have strength or dexterity or um, coordination because I I was paralyzed. I could still move, but not the body part that I told to move would move like a different body part would move and it would never go where I told it to go or they would move on their own. My hands would move on their own.
1: And your mind is completely there. My
0: mind is perfect the whole time. That's the one thing that my heart and my lungs stayed And everything else, pancreas, liver, everything else was shutting down on me. So
1: So what were your thoughts during all of this?
0: So at first, I wanted to die, (laughs) honestly. I actually, at one point before I was diagnosed, I begged my mom to kill me because the pain was outrageous. The pain was so bad that... Have you ever had like a charley horse, like a Mm -hmm. cramp in your foot? Mm -hmm. Okay, my body did that in every muscle of my body. It rotated 24 hours a day nonstop. It even did it in my face, my arms, my hands. It rotated that. And then not only that, but if you can imagine like the air condition kicking on and blowing on your skin, whenever something like that would happen, it felt like I was being skinned alive. So I felt like my skin was being ripped off, my body was cramping, I was starving to death, so my joints felt like they were um, popping out and coming disjointed. I couldn't uh, stand, I couldn't talk, and I I had double and triple vision by that time. And then, uh, so I had actually begged my mom, to kill me. And she was like, absolutely not! And she storms off Wonderful Mother. I'm so proud of her. (laughs) And she storms away. And of course, I asked the Lord to forgive me. But that was before I was diagnosed. Also before I was diagnosed, I'm sitting in a chair in our living room in a recliner. And um, the death angel came. And I was staring at him. And he said to me, not with his mouth, but with his mind, so I could hear him in my mind. He said, "Um, I can take you home. Like, do you want to go home or do you want to stay? And he gave me the choice. And the selfish me, because I hadn't been diagnosed and I thought, well, I'm going to die or I'm going to live in pain for 20 years and this pain is outrageous. The selfish me wanted to say, oh, take me home right now. But I had a moment of clarity and I let my mom choose. And my voice was restored in that moment for just a few minutes. And my voice was restored and I yelled to my mom to come here and she comes running and she said, what is it? And I said, you can, we can stay home and I can die tonight or you can take me to the hospital and we'll fight this thing. And she was like, oh, we're going to the hospital. You know, she runs, she's screaming through the house, getting things together to throw me in the car and take me to the hospital. So when she said that, I looked back over at the death angel. He was kind of in front of me to my left. And in my heart, I steeled myself because I knew, okay, well, guess what? Now we're staying and I'm fighting. I will never ask to be killed again. I will never beg to die. At, from this moment on, I'm going to fight with everything the Lord's given me. And he was so sweet. He nodded at me and smiled and then he left. Wow. And so I knew, I didn't know if I was going to live or die at that time, but I knew that I would go with grace and with the Lord. And so after that, I never had a negative word come out of my mouth and I just walked in the Lord's power and grace.
1: So you said earlier that this was really your, uh, not the first, miracle that you witnessed, but, but the big one that you, you witnessed through hardship in your life. Mm -hmm. So you're obviously not paralyzed. Now Mm -hmm. you have been healed. So will you tell us like how long that was and how the Lord healed you when you stayed
0: to fight? Absolutely. So I, um, I'm in and out of the hospital several times. I get to my very lowest point, 72 pounds, no feeding tube, nothing can nourish me. I have no strength. I can't hold anything up. My body will not respond to anything. Um, I'm vomiting, even though there's nothing to vomit. So I'm not really sure what's happening. The nurses had to set my bed up in a chair-like position and strap me to it. And um, I hung there with my head down and my arms limp. And no one was at the hospital. My mom was at home. And my pastor walks in. And I, he, and I was able to peek and look over at him. And uh, he he shuffles in. And he says, Lord, I don't even know what to pray, but would you just heal her? And he anointed me with oil, and I felt this power shoot through my body. And it was so strong, I thought, oh, I'm just going to get up and walk out of here. Well, I didn't just get up and walk out. But I knew in that moment that I would be fully healed, 100%. Wow. And so... um. And we've skipped, by the way, a bunch of miracles that have happened between. So this journey was full of one miracle after another after another that's kind of jaw-dropping when you hear it. But at that moment, I knew I would be healed. And I suddenly began to do things like gain weight even though I wasn't eating. And, I began, and prior to that, I had gone blind, and God had already restored my eyesight. Wow. Um, and I began to gain weight. I began to strengthen. I began to exercise by just learning to sit or, you know, learning to stand without falling over and just different things. And I still wasn't eating. And so that's only by the power of God. And then as I got stronger and stronger, I ended up going home eventually. And, uh, this was a month. It took a long time. And, uh, I did rehab from home, which that's another miracle story. It's a long story. And, uh, they, I went back to the doctor and he said, and wherever you are in seven years, that's where you'll be. So I get engaged while I'm getting better, and um, I'm married to him today, my husband. And my goal was to walk down the aisle on my own, and so I did. To walk down, we were engaged for one year, and I walked down the aisle on my own, and we got married, and I was so happy. But I was left with extreme neuropathy pain um, tingling in my face and my hands and my feet. I had severe arthritis. So going up and downstairs or anytime a storm came through, um, I was in extreme pain. Like my husband would either have to carry me up our stairs or I would have to sleep on the sofa downstairs. Um, so when you met him, were you not walking still? So I met him before I got sick. And he went through the entire illness with us. Wow. He was in Austin in college at the University of Texas, and he would drive in on the weekends as long as he didn't have to work or didn't have exams to stay for. He would drive in and sit by my hospital bed or sit on the sofa with me paralyzed, or if I was going completely stir crazy, like I've got to get out of this house, he would load me up into his car with my wheelchair, take me to the mall, just for us to get there and then turn around and come right back home because I was already exhausted by the time we got there. So he What a
1: man you have. (laughs) Yeah, he was there
0: through the whole thing, and it was um, amazing. He was amazing. And my parents were made. I just, I don't know how anybody did it. I was just, it was by the grace of God, surely. And then, um, so we're married. And every single day since I had been anointed and I knew I would be healed, every day I would wake up and I would say, today's the day of my healing. Today's the day of my healing. And I would set goals for myself and say, today's the day of my healing. Well, then we were married And at the seven year mark, I'm like, okay, God, seven years is coming up and I still have all this arthritis pain. I still have all this neuropathy pain and I'm still have chronic fatigue and I get exhausted and some of my inner core muscles were still paralyzed. So I couldn't really run or jump. And I was like, God, it's coming up on seven years. Well, seven years came and went and I was still that way. And so I thought, what's going on? I know I'm going to be healed. So I would still tell myself every morning, today's the day of my healing. Well, I got pregnant, and I woke up, and I was healed. Wow. And so God used my oldest daughter, Mackenzie, her pregnancy. So she's my healing baby. (laughs) I always tell her, I say, you have the gift of healing, baby. And she really does have the gift of healing, and I tell her the first person that that you prayed for and healed was your mommy when you were in my womb. And how so, how special,
1: yeah. Were you ever nervous in that time that after you had her that it would come back, or did you know?
0: Oh no, never. I've never been worried about that. I've said
1: wow so many times already <laughs> listening to your well, story. Well,
0: and it does come back um, for a lot of people. So they have re- recurring, and so everything's set sets it off like um an illness or a vaccine or eating undercooked food can set it off so yeah so
1: you never went back to college
0: no okay no so my neurologist said okay this is my assignment for you don't get stressed and I was like oh well No more school for me. I didn't enjoy school very much at that time. I was like, no more school for me. I'm going to go. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to be married. And then I'm going to quit. And I'm going to have children. And so that's pretty much what I did. Yes. And I got very, very involved in the healing ministries and the prayer ministries and the prophetic prayer ministries at our church that became my job, that and raising my children. That's a long
1: time that you, you persevered through your healing. Yes. But so encouraging that you woke up every day and said, this is the day I'm going to be healed. Yes. Standing on that promise, believing it, speaking it. Yes.
0: Yes. And the healing was suddenly, it was so sudden because, um, I had so much pain still and I was walking in, um, complete fatigue I was just drained all the time I was joyful but I was drained and I was in a lot of pain and people from the outside couldn't tell but I knew how much pain I was in and so when I woke up and I realized that it was all gone I was so excited I had to tell everybody
1: (laughs) yes of course and and two I think being in the prophetic healing ministry that Mm -hmm. um allows you to connect with people because you've been there. You've you've been on that side um, where you've received your own healing, which is really special too. Wow. Thank you for sharing that.
0: Yes. Thank you for letting me.
1: So that was your first daughter. And then you've gone on to have two since, right? I
0: do. I have a son um, for my middle child and I have um, a daughter for my third. And her name is it. So, and I didn't get to name any of my children, by the way. (laughs) So the Lord named all of them. And so we didn't have to have a gender reveal because we knew their names. Wow. So we knew what gender they were. And it was so funny because with our first one, Mackenzie, he said her name is Mackenzie Noel. And that wasn't on my radar, that name. But Noel means the same thing as my first name. And Mackenzie means the same thing as my husband's middle name. Oh, wow. So I thought that was interesting. So we go to do the ultrasounds and she's like, oh, do you want to know if it's a boy or a girl? And we were like, oh, it's a girl. And she said, oh, have you already had had a gender uh, ultrasound? And we said, no. And so she's like, well, we're going to check for you. <laughs> and she goes, it's a girl. We were like, yes, we know. <laughs> so then when we have our second one, I knew at the moment of conception that he was a boy. I knew when I had conceived as well. So God, I to tell my husband, I put on his mirror, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And he's in there hyperventilating. (laughs) Oh, we're going to have a baby. So we go again to the anatomy scan. And she goes, do you want to know if you're having a boy or a girl? And God had told us his name was Micah Wayman. Wayman's my dad's name. And Micah means who is like the Lord. And so uh, we said, well, we already know what it is. And she said, well, again? Well, let's check just in case. And so she checks and she's like, it's a boy. And we were like, yes, we know. And then the same thing happened with our third child. And we were not trying to have um, another baby, but I'm sitting at the computer and God says, her name is Sayla Renee. And I said, Oh, whose name Lord? Which I knew he meant that I was pregnant. And it was too early for me to take a pregnancy test. So I had to wait about a week to take one to confirm And Selah means um, pause and reflect on what the Lord has done. And also means rock, depending on how you pronounce it. And she definitely makes us stop and think about what the Lord's doing in our life and what he has done. And again, we went to the scan, and she was like, do I even need to check what you're having? We said, go ahead, but it's a girl. And so, yes, she was a girl.
1: If this doctor wasn't a believer, she was by now. (laughs) She
0: was. She is a believer,
1: yes. Yeah, that's so special. Well, I know that you wanted to talk about a dream that you had. Is there anything else that you wanted to share before you tell us the dream?
0: Well, I just want to say that... um, This miracle took a long time, and I don't believe it's because it had to take a long time. I believe that if you're looking for a miracle in your life today, if you're looking for healing, if you're looking for God to touch you, that it can happen instantaneously. Um, He's so precious to meet us right where we are, Mm -hmm. and I was in a place where I guess I needed to walk things out, i not necessarily needed to, but that was where I was. And he met me there, but he also got to use my daughter's birth pregnancy in my healing, which is very precious to me. So I'm grateful for that. And, um, I would say that if you don't know Jesus, ask, ask someone, we want to tell you who he is. And if, um, if you need healing, just call on him today. He wants to heal you right now. He wants to set you free in all areas, not just your physical body, but your mind and your emotions as well. He wants to restore things. And actually, that's a little bit about what my dream was. Um, so, I've been having prophetic dreams since I was seven years old. And I had one just a couple nights ago. And it was so uh, powerful for me that when I woke up, I was wrecked. I was sobbing uncontrollably, I was shaking. And that doesn't typically happen. That's that's something rare. So I'm going to share it with you. Um, and then I had a second dream the next night that ties into it that I'll just share the end of that one. So in this dream, um, I'm very happily married to my husband, Wayne. And we have the three children that we have now. And I can feel my total happiness and my bliss at being married. Okay, The emotions in the dream were so intense. Um we were so connected that we were like two hearts beating as one and we were fully in love, complete joy, complete fulfillment. And we had purpose together. So I could feel all of that. And it was intense. It wasn't anything like what I would say we feel here. In the next scene, I'm not with my husband and I'm just out doing things. And I find, see another man that begins to entice me toward him and Somehow through this interaction with this other man, I realized that I had to marry this other man. I felt like I had no choice and I, it's not that I wanted to marry him. I was still very much in love with my husband, but I felt like I had to, for some reason. And so I made a very quick and seemingly easy decision to leave my husband, though I still loved him very much and marry this other man because I felt like I had to. So I divorced my husband We just did not tell the kids. They just thought I was spending the night somewhere. And um, I was unfulfilled with this other person. I didn't have the love, the joy, the fulfillment, or purpose with them. And um, the day after the wedding, I wake up crying, realizing that I'd made a terrible mistake. And I felt that there was no way out because I left my first love, my true husband, and I'd left my family, and I'd consummated a lesser value marriage. And after I realized the mistake, I cried. I called my first husband, and I cried to him about this horrible mistake because I wanted him to know that it wasn't his fault. It was my fault, and that I'd made this horrible mistake. And in a dream, you know how dreams are awkward. Even though I'm on the phone with him, I can see him, okay? Mm -hmm. And he had eyes full of liquid love and a voice full of gentle, compassionate grace, and he softly beckoned me to come home and that he would always be there for me. And he told me that it was not too late to come home and that I could turn now and come back. And I continued to cry, and I said, no, I can't, I can't, you don't understand. I married this other guy. I married someone else. I've betrayed you, and I can't come home. I'm stuck my true husband, he calls me again. He gently beckons me home. And standing next to him, because in a dream where you can see things, my son Micah was standing next to him, which means who is like the Lord. And he overhears his daddy calling me home. And he gets very excited because he's like, Oh mommy's coming home. And he starts to shine and I could hear his exuberance through the phone. And I cried even harder and I felt more guilt and more shame because I was like, no, I can't, even though you want me to, I can't come home. And I hang up on him. Well, the scene changes and my original husband comes, he actually comes to get me and he's standing there face to face and he's pursuing me. And, um, He has that fullness of love and peace and purpose and joy and contentment that surrounds him and encompasses him. It's like it leaks from his body. It's so intense. And it was so much for me that I collapse into his open, outstretched arms and I weep and I weep on his chest and his shoulder. And he gently kisses me on the cheek and he tells me that he would take me home now if I would let him. And I turn away in shame. And I say, no, I can't. You don't understand what I've done. I am dirty in my sin, and I can't come home. So the dream ended, and I woke up, and I'm sobbing. And I'm like, God, what have I done? I'm asking him, am I committing idolatry against you? What have I done? And I'm crying, and I'm saying, show me what I've done wrong, because I don't want to be that person. I want to be one with you. And God quieted me, and he said, Natalie, you represent the church. And your husband in the dream represents God the Father. And your son represents Jesus. And the father and son want the church to come home. Yes, they've turned from their first love. And yes, they're they feel dirty and shame and their sin. But that's not where they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be with me and it's never too late. And I will pursue them always and they can come home so the next night I had a continuation of the dream and in that dream God kept telling me you have to tell the story he called my dream a story he said you have to tell it so here I am I'm telling it okay everyone (laughs) and he said and you have to tell it with violence and I was like what does that mean I don't understand and so he gives me a dream about what that means and it means fighting against the enemy to tell people no matter what but in the dream The second dream, the second night, I end up telling this large crowd of people and half of them want to hear the dream and the other half don't. And the half that does not want to hear it is trying to drown out my voice from those that do want to hear it. So that's when he said, well, become violent. Well, violent doesn't mean to hit or hurt. So what it meant was to stand up and get loud. So I jumped up on a chair in my second dream, and I told everyone that was trying to drown out my voice to be quiet because those that have ears to hear need to hear. Mm -hmm. And... I got to the point of the dream where the husband was pursuing me, and I turned away in shame, crying in his arms, said, no, I can't come home. And in my dream, a man runs up to me and jumps on the chair next to me and says, he's bawling, and he says, I have to know what happens next. What happens next? Well, I didn't have what was next in the first dream. But all of a sudden, in this dream, I began to get it. And I said, well, next, what happens was he began to dance with me. And as my true first love husband danced with me around the room, all the shame and the guilt and the trauma and the dirt fell away. And I was restored and made whole again. And the man in my dream goes, Oh, we must dance. We must dance right now. And as I danced with this man in my dream, he became restored and God became, began to restore him. And so, my words from that are, "O oh, church, come home. It is never too late. Come home. You are not hopeless. You are not too far gone. You are not too dirty or full of shame. You are being pursued by the Father through the sacrifice of the Son. Fall into his arms and let him lead you home. Surrender your pride and shame and let them be replaced with robes of righteousness. The price has already been paid. Let it not be paid in vain. Come dance with the Lord and allow him to heal the dry and broken places and restore you to live again.
1: I have no words. (laughs) That's really, really powerful. And what a gift from the Lord that he gave you this to share on this podcast. I mean, when we scheduled this podcast, you hadn't had that dream yet.
0: No. Mm-mm.
1: and I love that by you sharing this, your final words on it, that's exactly what you're doing is leading us to dance with the father. Yes. Cause that's what I was thinking of when you said that part is that as the church, we need to do that too, is tell to yeah. people and then lead them into that dance yes. with the father. And by sharing, that's what you're doing. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for letting me. It's amazing how much the Lord Uh, loves us and how that's so shown through your story from when you were a little girl, when your parents got saved to having the faith that the blue planets would grow and asking him. And then he gave you a whole field to the, the many years of being healed, your physical healing, and just how he's given you your children's names and just orchestrated everything to these dreams. uh, I so clearly see his love. I feel like that's painted throughout your entire story so far. It's just his love, his love, his love. Thank you for sharing your story. Yes.
0: And his love never stops. And uh, if we stop, we're the ones that need to stop and be still. Mm -hmm. And if we stop and be still, then we can recognize his hand in so many places, in so many areas. And I just am a testimony to tell you that he still works in miracles and signs and wonders every single day. Mm -hmm. My life would not even exist without them. That's how many and how often they show up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I do
0: want to bring up your
1: book as well.
0: It's called Healing Wings. Yes. Is that right? Yes. It's my memoir of the miracles prior to my illness, how I became saved many miracles to build me up, the actual journey of the illness with many miracles that took place during it, and then my ultimate healing and where we are today.
1: And people can get that on Amazon, right? They can. Yeah, so you guys grab a copy because then you can read even more than what we talked about today. Like she said, all the miracles that happened in between. It says, A Personal Journey of Miracles and Healing Through Gillian Barr Syndrome. Correct. Yeah. Well, the last question I ask all of my guests is if you could sit down with somebody from the past or present and hear their God stories, who would that be and why?
0: Okay, so... I have two, and that's, so I've wrestled. Oh, Lord, which one do I really want to hear? You can share them both. Right, okay. So one is Paul, uh-huh. because I want to know what happened in Arabia for three years. Oh, okay. I want to hear how he was taught and the things he saw and what led him to become the man that he became. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, and the other one is Moses. I want to know what happened those 40 days on the mountain three times. Yeah. Because we only hear a glimpse. So we only get to see a small picture, and I'm like, well, if that happens and what else took place <laughs> that's so
1: good. so good and i love that it's people that you will for sure get to sit down with one day and talk oh yes, with. <laughs> oh, yes. they're they're on my list <laughs> yeah <laughs> well thank you natalie it's been a joy hearing your story and talking with you today thanks for being on
0: thank you for having me thank you so much for listening today If you enjoyed this episode, I would be grateful if you could share it with a friend and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Your engagement will help others find us. You can stay connected with me on Facebook or Instagram at His Redemption Road. Have an amazing week in the Lord and be blessed everywhere you go.